everybody, and welcome to the Testing One-on-One podcast with myself, Rob Lambert, my good friend, Joel. How you doing, Joel? Hey, Rob. What's up, man? How's it going in the UK? Um, all good. As we were, were chatting before the podcast, it's all carnage downstairs with kids falling over, food everywhere. It's uh, it's uh, tricky. But yes, other than that, lockdown's uh, going reasonably well. I'm feeling a bit rough, to be honest, but all good. All good. And yourself? Um. Well, um... I think that is good, meaning uh, we, we're on week, uh, I'm not really sure what number of the isolation or quarantine, even though we are starting to think about at least going to the office one, two days. Uh, I'm not suffering, uh, as we obviously understand, So, uh, but but I do get what people mean by cabin fever, which I never oh, yeah. really got until right now. Yeah. Um, do, you have, do you have outside space? I know you mentioned in the last podcast, you obviously take a walk. Um, with your wife in an evening, but you have, you've got a garden and everything for the kids. I got, I, I, no, I, I do have a garden. I mean, I yeah. do have a garden, but, but even if, you, and again, it sounds completely snob. I have a garden and everything, but, but I think that it's the part about just once you have like an area that you're limited to, then you just want to walk another hundred meters and, and, and just go out. So, so it's, yeah. it's better because they are refreshing a little bit the, the limitations. So this weekend we did went on a bike right around the neighborhood so it was great but but it's again i i should not complain i'm not working in a hospital or or even in a supermarket so all good indeed um we are really busy uh state of testing seven went out last week and that was a project that took a lot of time and it just got bundled with the online test conf that is coming up on my 19th to 21st so it's also just around the corner basically uh two weeks from now and it's going to be an interesting one we're, we're trying something new we said we always get criticism because uh people in the in europe say no it's too late and people in the usa no it's too early and people in australia say hey it's the middle of the night for us so we said, hey, what can we do? And and a crazy idea came up on a, on, a, on a session, and it was like, oh, let's do one for each one. And what started like a crazy idea, we said, well, it's not that crazy. Let's actually do three days. One day on the U.S. time zone, one day on the EMEA time zone, and one day in the APAC time zones. And people have been responding really well. So busy, but, nice. you know, trying cool things. That's good. So the state of testing, do you do one every, is it one every year? So you're on your seventh we year do... of doing that? Yes, once a year. We just released the seventh one. I have a session tomorrow. It's great, you know, the, the, the virtual world. So it, the state of testing is translated every year by, by teams of volunteers from, from different countries. Uh, there's a Japanese team who has been translating the state of testing, I think, four or five times already. And these guys got me yesterday and said, hey, let's do a virtual coffee. And I thought they were joking. I said, yeah, sure, of course, why not? I have a virtual coffee session tomorrow, 10 a.m. Israel time. I think it's 5 p.m. Uh, Japan time. In order to sit and chat with these guys, I know them because I've been in Japan a couple of times and I know at least, I think I know three or four of the guys in the team. So it's going to be pretty exciting to to sit and chat and, and do a Zoom coffee session with my Japanese pals on the state of testing. But, but yeah, it's good. Cool. Nice one. Good stuff. All right. What so about you, man? Please- Oh, wow. I was going to rumble on with the podcast, but yeah, I'll talk about myself for a minute. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Plug it in! <laughs> so yeah, the online course is, is, is getting there. It's getting there. The squirrel book is getting there. But you know what? I've been putting a lot of effort into a YouTube channel, which I've launched. So you know, if you go to cultivatormanagement.com, you'll find a link over to the YouTube channel. So hopefully every week, 
dropping a new video with some knowledge and some wisdom in it. And so far, it's been really good. The The engagement's been quite high. The views are climbing, and I've really enjoyed it. It's, it's cool. brutally hard work, though, putting together videos. I didn't expect it to take so long. Um, but I figure the more I do it, the quicker it will get. So, yep, all good. Excellent. All okay, right. so are we going to get into it? What are we talking today so, about, man? We're talking about the pitfalls of estimation and how to avoid them, or at least try to avoid them. So over to you, Joel. Okay, so um, this is actually a topic that I brought up, and I, I love these topics because they're very, very concrete, and, and this one comes from a conversation I had last week with a practice customer who's also a listener of the podcast. So yes, Rob, I finally found the one, um, and uh, Anna, this one is for you if you're listening. Uh, it's pretty cool. I think that I told you that I might do this, so now you know. Hey, so to make, for listening. Yeah, no, I like it, and uh, to make a long story short... Um, we talked about the cases when, when you're basically asked to provide an estimation of uh, how long it's going to take to test something, but you do it without getting too much more than, than the title of the feature or, or the epic of the feature. And, and even though it sounds made up, it's not. Uh, it, it, it actually happened to me also in the past as well. And, and even though if this is an extreme case... Um, there are many, many situations where we're asked to provide estimations of testing time without having too much to base it upon. And it's a challenge and, and it's difficult, but it's not rocket science and you do not need to reinvent the wheel from scratch. So so what do you do in these cases? How do you provide your numbers? Um, is there anything that you can do to ensure that uh, when you're doing something, you're not going to be blamed once you're not able to, to meet these numbers on the project, because usually that is the case. Meaning when, and I'm sorry for this, but when shit hits the fan, how are you able to, to get out of it uh, at least on a, on a good basis and you want to do it professionally? So if it sounds simple and many people are saying, hey, you know what, uh, just say no whenever someone asks you to do these kind of, of questions, the answer is that you cannot say no. Meaning... Um, you need to be a team player, you need to be part of it, you need to help with the assumptions for everyone is hard. And the question is, how do you do it in a professional way? How do you cope with this challenge? And I, th that's what I want to talk about today. Nice. Interesting topic. And yeah, I think we've all been there. Where we've been asked to give estimates for stuff that we have absolutely no idea what's involved. So yeah, let's crack on. So if someone asks you that and you provide a number... Uh, when you give your estimates, and obviously, you know, this is a, a guess, it's finger in the air, like all estimates are. Um, what should you accompany with that? Should you explain how you came up with the figures? And then if so, how would you come up with the figures? Let, you know what, let's take a step back, because I want to get to that. But I want to start with this specific example, because I think that even though it's a little bit extreme, I think that there are a couple of things that, that we can learn from it. So just to give background on this, this is a test manager uh, who was providing estimates uh, with only the names of the feature that she had. No functional descriptions, no infrastructure requirements, no low level, high level, nothing for it. Now, the only thing that she did have, though, was a lot of previous experience. She has been working for years in this company. Um, she has been working with the same development teams for a number of years, and she has data that she can use because they keep track of how many hours it takes for each project because they charge for the hours. So um, we did sit together and we reviewed a whole number of, of options that could be. And the approach that we came with is, hey, you know what? Let's actually try to come together with 
estimations based on previous projects that look and sound similar, both on context and complexity. Now, there's a caveat to this approach, okay? And this is also what makes it less of a throw of a dice because, okay, it's not a, a, a finger in the wind, as you were saying. We need to make sure that these estimates are going to be coming with two things. First of all, she needs to explain how she does understand that high-level definition of the feature, meaning if you say, if someone tells you something, if you have a sentence, two sentences, or three sentences, you need to give it some sort of meaning. So what assumptions are you making? Uh, what technical infrastructure are you thinking about? What risks do you see there? So when she's going to be giving her estimations, she needs to accompany that those numbers with those um, assumptions that she's making because everyone's going to make assumptions. And she also needs to give these estimations saying, okay, based on these assumptions, I think that this feature is going to be similar to these two or three other features that we've done in the past. And these are the numbers that it took for these feature, so I'm basing my estimate on this. Okay, so it's less of a throw of the dice, um, but it's not 100% trivial. Um, we needed to make sure that that in order to, to think that this actually was going to make sense, basically what convinced us was the fact that she was not going to be making these assumptions on her own. Meaning the whole idea is that she would bring this up to the team of managers, she would discuss these assumptions with the team of managers and the team of managers would need to uh, agree with her on her assumptions and what she was doing so that if the assumptions were wrong she would get feedback on that and if they agreed with her then later on when for any given reason she would not be able to meet this uh, criteria then at least she could come and say hey but we talked about it let's actually understand where we were wrong on that so I think that this basically is it's a, a good example of, of a good approach on how to do it yeah, I mean, it sounds insanely sensible. Um, but what happens if you haven't got that history? You know, because I mean, I've always, you know, in the past, brand new to a project, you've never seen the features of software before, you maybe never worked with a team, and you might not have anything to base it on. Do you have any advice for our listeners on how we might address that one? Well, you cannot do it on your own. If you're going to be put on, on the place where you need to provide an estimation, then I really, really hope that at least you are a test manager or a test leader or a senior tester who has had a couple of years experience, if not more than that. So I think that if we go back to the example, what you need to do is to explain what assumptions you're making. Even if you if someone tells you something, automatically you get to that 42 number in your head try to break it down into the assumptions that brought you to that 42. And I think that you should do it for a couple of reasons. First of all, to test yourself. I'm a really uh, big advocate of um, basically doing self-brainstormings, and I usually do it with a whiteboard where I write everything down and then I try to crit criticize myself on this. So I would mm -hmm. start by doing that. What are my assumptions? What am I doing? And then share that with people. Okay, share that with other stakeholders of the project for two reasons. First of all, validate your assumptions. Maybe you got it wrong. Maybe uh, you didn't understand that, oh, no, wait a second, we don't need to install the servers anyway because it's a hosted system, so you can throw away 54% of your testing because it's not relevant anymore. Or on the other hand, oh, wait a second, there is a mobile client. I was not aware of that. So we need to, to foresee for that. Second of all, you want to be able to get 
other people to buy in on what you're saying because assumptions are only a line in the sand. That line will shift. You want to be able to shift it as soon as possible. So you want other people to understand what assumptions you're making. So if the assumptions are modified, you will have a heads up by, from them as well, as early as possible. So my biggest piece of advice would be never to give a number or a single number and never to do it on your own, meaning make it a, a team effort. Yeah, definitely. I mean, some of the best estimation that we've ever given that's been as you know as accurate as you can ever really get an estimation was always done in groups, always with uh, different expertise, different points of view, you know, people's different experience, all coming together. And again, around a whiteboard, mind mapping, whatever, you know, tool of choice you choose. But definitely that sharing assumptions, really, really important, really important. So you mentioned there, though, about uh, never giving a single number. Um, why is that? Well, because what are the chances of you hitting the, the nail in the head? Meaning it, it's close to impossible. So it's better to give ballpark figures. I personally like talking about uh, men weeks or men months. And I usually try to give people a, a, a taste of how confident I am on that estimate by saying, hey, you know what? It's going to be 10 man months plus minus tw- two man months. So they know that I'm fairly confident if I'm only giving myself a 20% uh, chance of missing it. Uh, but if I'm going to tell you, hey, it's 10 man months plus minus six man months, then you know how on in meaning how bad I feel about my confidence level in here. And maybe we can talk about it because let's be sure if you give someone, hey, it can take anywhere between four and 16 weeks, people will say, hey, uh, apparently you don't understand what you need to do. And, and yeah, that's the case. If I understood a little bit better, I wouldn't need to give you that kind of, of, of rough estimation. So always try to talk on ranges and make sure that that, that range actually brings up your uh, level of confidence on those assumptions that you're, you're given. So mm. that, that's usually uh, what I like to do. Um, how about you, man? Meaning, what, let's say that you need to, to estimate something. Yeah, a lot of people I, say, what, what do I need to base it upon? Meaning, what assumptions, what type of assumptions do I need to bring forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same as you, really. I think this is it's about working in ranges. I think one of the key things that we've maybe not mentioned so far is who's asking for the estimate and what are they going to use it for? So, you know, if a project manager comes to me, um, and particularly in the old days when I was, you know, maybe 10 years ago working in, in longer drawn-out projects, if a project manager came to me and asked me for an estimate, you can guarantee that estimate would make it into a plan. And then delivery against the plan would be the accountability, should we say, um, which is wrong, you know, because we know that that estimate is probably going to be incorrect. If it's a developer or in, you know, the, the agile world occupied in the last maybe five, six years, it's a little bit different because you're trying to do it to tease out assumptions, to try and get some clarity, to try and do some scheduling, some coordination, all the other good stuff as well. So a lot of it comes down to who's asking you for it and what are they going to use it for? In other words, how are you going to be held accountable to that estimate? And I think in the examples you've given, it's it's about a shared collaborative environment, but we need to bear in mind that not everybody works in those kind of environments. So definitely working ranges, definitely testing your assumptions. I think another key thing as well, and I see it in the notes, but I don't know whether we've touched on this, is it's all about schedule as well. So there may be actually deadlines and, you know, um, sort of tight numbers and, and plans to try and accommodate. And that's, of course, going to affect our estimate. And 
we can obviously maybe take the estimated time of let's say it's two weeks but then we can give a sort of scope of that which is essentially an assumption our assumption is we're not going to do everything we're only going to do a small bit because we've only got two weeks so there's multiple ways to look at it how long do you have how long do you need and then what are the compromising parts and they should obviously be included in those assumptions and insanely well communicated to those that need to know and so yeah pretty much same as you there joel but i wish i meant um Years ago, when I first started out, I had no idea how to estimate because I'd never seen the product before as brand new to testing. And here I was suddenly having to give an estimate. And I essentially just said, what's the developer's estimate? And they said, oh, 10 days. I was like, cool, 10 days. <laughs> and so that was a really effective way, actually, because we actually turned out we were pretty accurate, give or take maybe 10, 20%. But whatever the developers would estimate, we would probably use exactly the same amount of time. Um, so again, there's loads of different ways to come up with estimates, but as you go through your career, you get that sort of data, whether it's written down or whether it's in your head from experience, and that allows you to make those assumptions, work in ranges, and be more confident in those estimates. And and one of the things that I think that, that need to be clear whenever you provide estimates is that you need to own your estimates, but you also need to own the responsibility to follow through those estimates. Um, I was working not so long ago in a project that was basically, um, we gave estimates, but we also said, hey, it's time and materials. So it, it'll take whatever it'll take. This is what we think it'll take. And what happened was that the project, basically, it was one of those moving targets. So they modified the scope, they modified the technology, and they modified what they wanted us to bring. So it ended up taking literally three times as much. Mm -hmm. Problem was that even though everyone was aware that everything was being modified, we didn't come and say out loud, hey, it's taking us more. Hey, we're investing more time. Hey, it's going to cost more. So I think that one of the biggest things that you need to do is to set up milestones for yourself and say, hey, you know what? You remember that I gave you an estimate of, of 10 week time? Well, we've only been working for it for three weeks, but I can tell you that it's going to be at least 20 weeks. Mm -hmm. It's going to be 20 weeks because of this, this, and this. And these are the things that have changed. And can we pay for it? Can't we pay for it? And if we cannot pay for it, then let, let's talk about it. Okay, because yeah. you would do, whenever, as you were saying, why did people ask me for an estimate? Usually because we need to meet a deadline or because we need to meet a cost baseline. So if you're going to miss either of those, bring it forward so that people can either adjust to it or adjust the content of it. Okay. Absolutely. So it's followed through and don't wait until people ask you. That was our mistake. We did it. We basically waited until we needed to report time and they were like, Hey, but how long have you known that? And we we're saying, well, you've known it all along as well because you all the time ask for more, more, more. And they came out on a very naive way and said, well, but you didn't tell us it's going to cost more. <laughs> so, yeah, Naive or not naive, it doesn't matter. Fact of the matter was that we could have come forwards before. Okay, yeah. so if you're going to be giving an estimate, follow it through to the line and set up deadlines whenever you can just to review your assumptions to see if you're going to be meeting them or not. Hmm. And then obviously keep revising that estimate as well and you know keeping people up to date. I think one of the challenges I've had in the past is when I've been asked as a you know test lead, test manager to estimate on behalf of a team and you might not fully understand the team. It could even be a remote team in certain instances, you know, third party. And coming up with estimates for other people is always tricky because, you know, your estimate is based on probably your experience and what you think the work would take. 
and everyone's at different stages in different seasons of life and stages in their journey. Have you had that experience before where you've had to estimate on behalf of somebody else in your I well fully aware of it. I, I've done it and what we did basically we said it's gonna take us like this and this and this time and this is we, we didn't talk specifically about people but we did talk about the type of people and we talked about, okay, we need senior testers with experience and junior testers with less experience. And this is the kind of the blend that we're going to have because it was supposed to be a a larger team. We knew that we needed to recruit people. So we said, Hey, we would like to have at least two of the people we're recruiting coming up from other teams who know the product better. So we don't need to teach them. So again, I see those as basically the assumptions that I've been talking Mm -hmm. about. So if you're going to be assuming something, you need to assume that. Another very important thing when doing estimations, oh, and I love this one. You reminded me of it. There's a very big difference in working man days or working man weeks or working man months and calendar days and calendar weeks and calendar months. Why? Because I remember that we always used to miss Easter. And in Israel, Easter basically is three weeks off because school are, schools are out for three weeks. So no one's going to be able to work for those three weeks. So, oh, well, we forgot about Easter, about Passover in Israel. How can we forget about it? It's in the middle of the calendar. Oh, well, yeah, we forgot to account about it. So push everything three months back. Sorry, three Mm -hmm. weeks back. Now, you need to basically, whenever you give a number, make sure that you, if, if it's dependent on the type of reason that people are asking you for that estimate, if they want a date, look into how you're talking about the date. Uh, summer, don't count summer as, as regular time because kids are going to be off. Um, you know, I, I used to love that guy. Uh, we had a person who was uh, pregnant, obviously a girl who was pregnant on the team. Oh, we forget to, to remember that she was going to go out on maternal leave in three months time because she was six months pregnant. So we didn't account for the fact that we would need to replace someone. So that wasn't taken care of on on the estimations. Now it wasn't a surprise. meaning it was very hard to miss the fact that she was pregnant. So, (laughs) so meaning those are the kind of things that you need to take into account. You cannot foresee for everything, but for the stuff that you can foresee, plan ahead and, and add it to your estimations. Yeah, I always try to break it down really when you're thinking about estimation is obviously there's the effort involved, you know, how long is it, you know, how many man days, people days, whatever calculation you're using does it take? Then there's the elapsed, you know, which is essentially what you're saying is you don't work weekends, you might have holidays. So actually the elapsed time could actually be longer than if you just took 30 days on from today. And then there's also this thing called wait time where we need to be factoring in, are we dependent on anything else in order to achieve this? This is particularly when you come into plan a date versus just give an estimate of effort. And then, of course, there's the due dates. When's it actually due, which is really just a combination of all of the three before that. So it is important to think about, can we deliver this in the time that we've got? And what's the effort? And do we have any wait times involved? Are we actually dependent on somebody delivering something, waiting for a partner to provide something, et cetera, et cetera? These can make a huge difference. I've had project managers take the effort, stick it on a calendar, and say we'll be done in three weeks, but actually it's not factoring in some of those other things. So just be cautious of that. Well, even if it's three weeks, it's three weeks starting from a specific point. And if or you're going to be saying, hey... For us, it was a week <laughs> and a half, and, uh, and then it was a wait time. <clears throat> so it's kind of like a week and a half's effort, and then there was a wait time, and then a week, a week and a half on top. So, yeah. Not only that, meaning it might be three weeks because you have three features, each one's going to take a week to test, what happens if development gives you the three features at the same time at the end of two weeks? Meaning it doesn't take nine 
ladies a month to bring a, a kid to the world. So that's something you say in Hebrew. Um, but uh, basically, you need to say, as you were saying, we're dependent on this is. And I remember um, critical path, meaning what is my critical path? When do I need to get stuff in order to get it done? Same. So I think that it's, it's it's important to understand that it's even when you're asked for, a, and for an estimation and someone says, hey, I don't care about anything. Just give me the number. It's never a number because you cannot disconnect the number from your assumptions. You cannot disconnect the number from your constraints. You cannot disconnect the number from um, everything else that you have going on. So you need to explain to the person asking for a number that if you want a number, then just type in a, an algorithm in Excel that will give him a, a random number. And, and there are plenty of those to go around on the internet. And, and if you're going to be asked to do an assumption, then you will need to do the homework and just share it with someone else. It, Absolutely. It, it pays to do it. Great. 100%. And you know what? Then you're in charge of your own estimate, like you say, and then you can revise it and deliver against it and keep people up to date. Cool. All good. Right, Joel. Anything Sounds else like you want to add? About it. No, I think that we covered it. And again, uh, if you have any uh, cool stories about estimates, share them with us. It's it's always good to hear it. Uh, we like listening to what you're saying. And again, we love to hear from our listeners whenever they have some share with us. Absolutely. And obviously, if you've enjoyed this podcast, give us a thumbs up and a five-star review and let us know. Like Joel says, anything you want featured in future podcasts. So, Joel... How long, uh, give me an estimate then of how long it'll take for this one to go live. <laughs> I think that we'll be live in about 10 days. Awesome. <laughs> give or take two days. <laughs> awesome. Right, good speaking to you, Joel. Anything final for this one? I think that we're done, man. So everyone, speak to you later and keep it up and uh, we'll be in touch. If you are listening to this before the online test conf, go ahead and subscribe. It's free, www.onlinetestconf.com and we'll see you there. Bye-bye. Stay safe, everyone. Take care. Bye.